our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our reading is from the book of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 8 and 19 through 22. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. This is God's word to God's people.
He is risen. He is risen indeed. I saw a photo recently in which the, the outline of a person was filled with, with various, what I took to be, moments of her life. Images of a spouse and children, vocation and accomplishments, pleasure trips, illnesses, laughter and tears. It took on the appearance of a quilt, and I thought to myself, well, you know, our lives really are like that. We are a tapestry of a, of a lot of things that have shaped us and, and made us who we are. Truly, we are a quilted patchwork of experiences. What are the things, the experiences and influences that, that make you who you are? For me, what, what comes to my mind is the extended family upbringing that I had. Cousins, aunts and uncles, yards butting up to one another, multiple acres running and playing, eating at different houses, cookies always from grandma. That put something inside of me that, that lives with me to today. My, my athletics was a big part of who I am. The assassinations of Bobby Martin Luther, Kent State killings, those affected me and shaped me. My, de my near uh, death experience and, and the surgery, my recovery from that, a spiritual uh, reawakening, my sense of calling to ministry. Well, and of course, marriage, kids, and jobs. All these things have shaped me to a larger or to a, a lesser degree, each a building block of who I am, explaining why I'm a little bit more like this and a little less like that. I wonder about you. I invite you to think about your experiences and your influences. And though there are a variety of experiences and influences that shape us, oftentimes there's a defining moment that gives a, a through line in our lives, a core to who we are, to our story. I've discovered for veterans, oftentimes that is their service identity especially if they, they served in combat. 
Disabilities have a tendency to do this also. You realize the power of an identifying aspect kind of shapes your sense of yourself and other people's sense of you. Sometimes our, our race is like that or our nation of origin comes to the forefront. In your self-reflection this morning, do you have a sense of a common thread of a, of a dominant experience in your life that shaped your core identity? What would you say is your defining story? What makes you who you are? During Lent, we have been having fun going through a a Lenten series led by Adam Hamilton and his book about walking in the footsteps of Jesus, trying to follow in Jesus' way. And through that study, we've identified how important certain things are for us as his disciples to uh, get clear on and to follow along with if we indeed want to be following in Jesus' footsteps. We notice the faith maturity cycle of blessings and struggles and resolutions. The embracing of healing ministries was paramount for us, as well as recognizing the importance of keeping our eye on Jesus as the storms of life surround us. Caring for the poor, for the disadvantaged with compassion and respect was a key thing for Jesus. And we confronted ourselves with the thought that it needed to be a key thing for us. Because Jesus was a person of integrity as a leader, and Jesus asked of us to be people of integrity, authentic in our faith as we followed him and became leaders for others. All of these aspects of of following in Jesus' footsteps or walking in his way became important to us through this study. But today, today we add uh, one more to that list, and it is embracing Jesus' death and resurrection. Walking to the cross and walking out of the tomb, setting that before us, too, on our pilgrim path, our journey of walking in Jesus' footsteps. The meaning of Jesus' life came into clear focus through his death and his resurrection. Prior to that, we would have been very comfortable to say, well, Jesus is a teacher. He's a He's an amazing healer. He, he was a social reformer, and we would have been right in saying all of that. Yet the events of Holy Week, through them, his defining story comes into clear focus for us. Jesus is Messiah. And he owned that for himself. And he presented that to us. 
for us to experience and for us to adopt for ourselves. As we seek to walk in Jesus's way and to follow in his footsteps, we are invited to consider how we might make Jesus's defining story our defining story. So we've already noticed that there are many experiences that shape our lives, but what will emerge? What will be that experience that will define our lives? What do you want it to be? For many people, it's their addiction. Truth be told, their life circles around it, coping with it, managing it, hoping for the best from it. For some folk, it's their temper. For some folk, well, it's their, it's their educational attainment. They wear it on their sleeves wherever they go. For some people, it's their financial worth. You can talk to some people if you have a relationship of confidence and realize that it's their failed relationship that defines them. It's everything about who they are and how they approach this and that day, this and that person the betrayal of a lover or of a father or of a mother carries forward to this day. For some people, it's their vocational accomplishments. Well, any of these experiences are good experiences or at least are experiences that some of us decide are good enough to hang our hat on and to define ourselves. Sometimes we feel we have no choice. We can't escape that which claims us. What about us this morning? Shall we let that be our story? Our faith suggests to us that there is something more something better for us. We believe that God offers us an alternative around which to define our lives, which we celebrate this Easter morning as we peer into the empty tomb. And it is the experience of the resurrected Jesus, the experience of the living Lord in our lives, an experience that offers us redemption from all that would cling to us and hold us down and keep us in prison or behind the doorway of death, the release from guilt and shame, the promise 
Yeah, the promise of a new and a different life. God invites us to make Jesus' resurrection story our redemption story. The resurrection took the disciples unawares. What a surprising morning that became for them. It changed everything for them, Jesus' resurrection. The depression over the turn of the events of Holy Week and its consequence anxiety of what the future might hold for them changed that Easter morning, what had seemed to be a story about loss and about failure became a different story, a story of amazement and blessing, a story of new, of new life. Hamilton writes in our study, the message was clear. The message was clear. Neither sin nor hate nor evil nor even death would have the last word. God in raising Jesus from the dead was shouting out to the human race, listen to this. Love has conquered hate. Grace has conquered sin. Hope has conquered despair, and life has conquered death. Love, grace, hope, life. These have the final word because of Jesus' resurrection. He is risen. He is risen. The truth of that claim is made real in our lives when we go to God in faith over Jesus as our Christ. And those things that would, that would harden our hearts, those things that would suck us back into the tomb Those things are confronted by the risen Lord, and they are conquered. Let Jesus' story of victory over sin and death be your story also. I'm counting on the fact that there is always hope. I'm counting on the fact that God walks with us through hell and back again. These are the words of Hamilton in our study. I'm counting on the fact that God forgives sin. 
and that he's the God of second chances. I'm counting on the fact that ultimately we do not have to be afraid. I'm counting on the fact that sin and hate and sickness and death will not have the final word. When we walk in the footsteps of the resurrected Christ, we walk in a confidence of this hope. See yourselves in this light. Understand yourselves this way. This can be the story of your lives. Grab hold of it. Grab hold of it and make it yours. Live God's love in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.